to as little movement around as possible as we get into the word and we're going to continue in this series the blood and fire series i'm dealing with the tabernacle and some different patterns that are there so just let me know in the back when we're good to go all right so i'm gonna open up a prayer over the word how many guys love the word of the lord you know i love worship and i love getting into the presence of god like tonight there's just such a presence. I love being in that glory, and I love the Holy Spirit and his ministry. Of course, we'll pray with people at the end of the service, and every time we have an altar time, it's always so significant because the Holy Spirit's doing something different each time, but I love, love the word of the Lord. And something interesting I've had happen where, you know, we're pray, we pray with people in the altars, and the Holy, Holy Spirit's moving in a specific way, and I know that every once in a while, somebody just cannot be here because of something that came up and and it's interesting sometimes the following week i'll be praying for people on the altar when i get to them all of a sudden it's like i feel what the holy spirit did last week come up to touch them and and then they, of course they kind of get a double dose because of what he's doing it's interesting but each each altar time just remember this is always very significant the holy spirit you understand the word of god this is i don't just preach something random I pray about it and the Lord gives me what to share and I feel like in that respect as far as the preaching part of the ministry that that is very very simple for me I just simply hear what he wants me to say and I preach it but of course I have a lot of intense study and prayer time and things that I do on my own but as far as preaching it's not complicated what God is saying I speak but then the Holy Spirit we must make room for the Holy Spirit to move because he will back up the word of God. And of course, he touches people and does things that, you know, thousands of hours of counseling can never do. How many of you guys have experienced the Holy Spirit touching in a powerful way? Now, I'll tell you something. The Holy Spirit can do in one service what a lifetime of religion can never do. So let's open up with prayer. So Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit here. And Lord, we just thank you for what you're doing tonight. I thank you for everybody that could be here. We bless you. As we come to you in Jesus' name and through his blood, and we thank you for tonight, but we praise you. You alone, Lord, are holy and awesome, worthy of all the praise. Let the heavens be open. Let your glory be awesome in this place. I ask you, Lord, that every person that's going to be hearing this word or watching this, that the Holy Spirit move upon every single one of us and help us to be good, fertile soil for the work of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God in our lives. Good soil, that the Holy Spirit move upon us and move upon our hearts and minds and, and by the Spirit of God that we're able to see things and hear what we couldn't in our own natural ability, but the Holy Spirit touches our eyes and our ears and gives us revelation. And Lord, I pray that your Word will go out as living seeds of truth sown into good fertile soil of hearts and minds and lives watered by the Holy Spirit, bring forth a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains until Jesus comes. And Lord, let there be a bright shining light of truth from your word that shines forth and dispels all the darkness and lies of the enemy that brings revelation. Let there be a washing of the water of the word. And Lord, let this be very anointed and empowered tonight that we will get everything out of this that you will to be done. And we take authority the Bible says that the birds of the air try to steal the seed. 
And so, Lord, we take authority right now that we bind up anything of the enemy right now that would try to hinder this word of God, try to bring distractions in any way to distract minds, to try to steal the seed. We bind it in the name of Jesus back off right now. But, Lord, we stand on the promise of your word that the Bible says the word of God will not return void but it will accomplish that which you sent it forth to do. So, Lord, let that go forth and let everything be accomplished that you will to be done through this time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, well, I love the word of God, and I know you do as well. There's notes. You feel free to follow along in the Bible. But I'm going to be talking tonight, continuing in this series, and I'm dealing with the tabernacle. In Hebrews chapter 8, which is not in your notes, the Bible says that God showed Moses, obviously through angels, but showed Moses what he gave him in respect to the tabernacle, but it says it is a copy of heavenly things. So there is a heavenly tabernacle in heaven where God dwells. And so Moses was given this to replicate something heavenly on the earth. And it's important that we understand that. And so when I talk about the tabernacle, we're not talking about something in any way that was done away with. We're talking about something that has been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. So understanding it from a fulfilled perspective. All right, so with that said, those that have followed along with me in studying the Word of God, this scripture will really make a lot of sense to you. But in 1 Peter 2, 5, this is one of those scriptures that you hear me say a lot of times that you really can't fully understand the New Testament without understanding the Old. This is one of those scriptures. Because a lot of times you tell people, close your eyes, I want you to picture a priest. And they'll picture some kind of like a Catholic or an Anglican or some other type of priest, you know, maybe a Buddhist monk, you know. But you, you have to go back to what does the Bible say the priesthood was, you see, and how it's fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Does this make sense? And so 1 Peter 2, 5, it says, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. So each one of us, we know, are like the tabernacle of the Holy Spirit. Since you've accepted Christ, you have become the temple of the Holy Spirit, or you could say the tabernacle of the Holy Spirit. But each one of us individually are like living stones. So when we come together we collectively build a dwelling place for God. Isn't that awesome? So we're being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. So understanding the priesthood, which I can't rabbit trail on, but we now are a priesthood in Christ to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God in Jesus Christ. So you have to go back and understand the pattern. What was the sacrifices? Well, obviously we know the, the guilt and the sin offerings, but those have been fulfilled in Christ. And the way that we, um, you know, use those offerings today, so to speak, would be in that we confess our sin, and he's faithful and just to forgive us. But there's three other sacrifices, or the better word for korban in English is offerings. One of them was the peace offering, the shalamim. And that was where you brought um, animals and you, could, you brought bread, etc., before the Lord. But your family, you came together, you were able with the priesthood there under Aaron to draw near to God and to pray and to eat in the presence of the Lord along with the priesthood. So it has to do with fellowship. See, under the law of Moses, 
you could only get so near. But now in Christ, we're able to really come into the glory and have fellowship with the Lord in a very intimate way. The other offering was called, Ola, it was the burnt offering. Um, this has to do with uh, Romans chapter 12, where it says that we are now a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. So we lay down our lives, we lay down our bodies to be consumed with the fire of the Holy Spirit, that we are a burnt offering. We are a sacrifice unto God. Does this make sense? We lay down our lives and say on the altar, Lord, burn out of me whatever needs to be burned out. I want to be crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ living through me. So that is the second offering I want to talk about. The third is the grain offering called the Micha, which means, um, you know, they would bring grain to the temple. But you know what that is? We're called to be harvesters, laborers, those that are going out doing the work of the Lord. So... Those are the three uh, spiritual sacrifices that need to be acceptable to God. In other words, we pray not for men to see, but we pray because we love God and we seek him in the secret place. That's acceptable. But getting up in front of everybody and trying to sound spiritual isn't. We, we serve the Lord. We get out there, roll up our sleeves and do things for the Lord because we love him. And of course, we lay down our lives. So anyway... I just want you to see from a New Testament perspective that we are the fulfillment of the tabernacle and the priesthood in Christ. What all of this foreshadowed has now been fulfilled. And when we come together like tonight, we're all living stones that come together to create through our worship a dwelling place for the Lord to inhabit. And we are to be a holy priesthood. So people should see us and see holiness, that we are set apart. We're not like the world, but we're to live a life offering up spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God. Okay. All right. So this is where I really wanted to go with this tonight, but I needed just to just real quickly touch on the tabernacle and the priesthood because I'm going to end up back there here in a few moments. I want to go to John chapter 15. This is a really powerful scripture. And everybody should be familiar with this scripture. But Jesus, this was toward the, the latter part of his life on earth. And he was really trying to, to teach his disciples before he was to go away. But he said to them, he said, I am the true vine. And my father is the gardener. I'm going to read this slow because I want us to really think about this scripture, okay? Jesus said, I am the vine. How many of you guys have ever been out in like a grape vineyard or you've seen the vine, the grapevine or something like that? You've seen it. You've seen some kind of a vine. And there had to be branches attached to that vine. And all of us know that if you were to go outside and there was a tree and you were to cut a branch off the tree and lay it to the side over time, that branch is going to completely die okay this is what jesus is trying to say he said i am the true vine and my father is the gardener and this is a strong warning that i think a lot of christians read over this too casually in verse 2 he says the father the gardener cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit sounds to me like bearing fruit is not optional doesn't it 
He said, though, while every branch that does bear fruit, the father, the gardener, he'll prune that branch to make it even more fruitful. He said, you are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. But here's what I want to talk about. Abide in me. Jesus said, abide in me. Also, as also I abide in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must abide in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. So the only way we're going to be fruitful for the Lord is to really abide in Christ, which I'm going to explain what that means in my opinion here in a moment. Verse 5, Jesus, again, he's reiterating, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not abide in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers and such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. That's a strong warning. Verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Verse 8, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Now, I want to focus on verse 7. As we enter into a new, uh, a new year, 2020, on the Gregorian calendar, the Bible says, Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. So what that means, in my opinion, is this. To abide in the Lord is to have fellowship with him, to spend time in prayer. And he said, and my words abide in you. That means that we study the word and get his word in us. And we're living in a time, I think, where people are distracted by a lot of other things. But, you know, there's a strong warning in this about being cut off because of not bearing fruit. You know, one of the scriptures that really is sobering to me, Now, I encourage people, I don't have it in the notes, but I encourage people to look up this scripture and study it. But in Matthew 7, starting in verse 21, Jesus said this. He said, many, not a few, will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, I did all these things in your name. And they were listing things. It was very religious. You know, they, they prophesied, they, you know, brought healing, they laid hands, prayed for the sick, they were healed, people were delivered from demons, etc. And they were calling him Lord. Lord, Lord, we did all these things in your name. Very religious people. But Jesus said, truly I'll say to them, depart from me, I never knew you. And, he, and then he adds this addendum on there, he says, you practice lawlessness. In other words, you lived in sin. So that's a sobering scripture, isn't it? Jesus, there's a lot of religious people. There's a lot of people that know who the Lord is. You know, we go out witnessing a lot. How many times have you talked to people? They know who Jesus is, but they don't know him. They know about him, but they don't have a relationship. And Jesus said, if you abide in me, and my words about in you. So we've got to discipline our flesh and spend time with the Lord to get to know him and have a living relationship with him and to get his word in us to study his word, to make time for these things. And I remember years ago, I've told this many times, but some people here haven't heard this, but I was able to meet with a, a great evangelist of our generation. He's since gone home to be with the Lord and 
He had won, prob- I would estimate, at least a million people to the Lord. And he's just a great man of God. So it was a great honor to be able to spend time with him, just me and him. But it was interesting to me because, you know, as I spent time with him, I knew, he, he knew that, you know, I was a Christian. And I felt I had a call in my life in the ministry. But when we sat and talked together, I want you to think about this. He's an, he's an evangelist, okay? He was asking me, he was kind of prodding me, he said, so I want you to tell me that you, you've asked the Lord into your life and you believe that, that you're a Christian. He said, what has the Lord been speaking to you lately? And of course, I was like, well, you know, it's kind of personal, but, and I started telling him, and he's kind of chuckled and said, okay. He wanted to know that I have a relationship with the Lord. He wasn't interested how much I go to church and stuff like that. He wanted to know, do you know him? So that's something I really wanted to bring home here at 2020 as we start a new year is let this be a year in your life of abiding in the vine. Let this be a year where you get to know the Lord in a way that you've never known him before, that your personal living relationship with him goes deeper in Christ than ever before, and that his word get in you like you've never known. Go deeper in Christ. Those are really the two ways. I mean, we, we stay faithful to things like, you know, our church attendance and our giving and, and doing things that he's called us to do. But, you know, you can get too busy with ministry if you're not careful. You know, you, you've got to keep the focus in your life, that living relationship with the Lord. What is he speaking to you? Not through a sermon. I mean, what in your personal relationship, what is God saying to you? And develop that intimate relationship with the Lord. <clears throat> so with that said, I want to kind of give some practical things about getting into the presence of the Lord. The book of Hebrews is such a deep book, a wonderful book. I encourage you to study it, but you, you need to understand the tabernacle and the priesthood and all that to really understand the book of Hebrews. But... Um, one of the things that the priesthood had to do under Aaron's priesthood, the sons of Aaron, they had to keep themselves pure. They couldn't be contaminated by anything around them. They had to set themselves apart and be very pure. And God has called us to be a priesthood, and we've got to keep our lives unblemished. What does the Bible say? It says that the Lord is coming for a bride without spot or blemish. And so, you know, there's something about perfecting holiness. There's something about the garments that are stained, being purged from anything that's carnal, anything that's worldly, anything demonic, that the Lord just really purify us and cleanse and seal us off from this. But we've got to do our part of remaining in that. So staying clean spiritually in your life, look at Hebrews 10.22. It says, let us draw near. Now, we don't realize, I don't think, how much of an awesome honor it really is. If there's any way that all of us could do this for a moment, use our imagination and go back under the law of Moses for a moment. Go back before Jesus came, that people only knew God from a distance. The sons of Aaron could go in and burn the incense near, but... People still didn't have that intimate relationship. 
that we have today in Christ. But the Bible says in Hebrews 10.22, we can draw near with a sincere heart full of assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled, that's the blood, the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus, from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. There's something about being really sanctified unto God, purified from all of the pollution. But as we live a life of keeping ourselves really pure, here's the two things that I want to talk about real quick. So in your personal prayer life over the year 2020, as you begin to go deeper in Christ, you begin to have maybe a greater hunger than you've ever had before, and you want to abide in the vine. You really want to have that deep, meaningful relationship. You want to get in the word. I'm going to give you two things that are very life-changing. And one of them is this. The blood of Jesus is what gives you access. I talk about this a lot with you know, my wife and the family, but it's the blood of Jesus that gives you access. You know, in the great Azusa Street revival, the glory of the Lord was so awesome in Azusa that they literally, people saw like fire on the roof. There was a couple times the fire department was called because of that. There was major healings and miracles. The glory was awesome. But in that revival, what God the Holy Spirit spoke to them in that revival was make much about the blood. So there's no accident that the glory was so thick because they honored the blood. They made much about the blood of Jesus. So the way that we approach God is not through a bunch of hype. It's not through entertainment. It's not through our own religious works. And it's not by trying to work something up. We rest in the blood of Jesus that gives us access. That's the door. And so Leviticus 16.2, Moses heard from God. He said, tell your brother Aaron that he's not to come whenever he chooses into the most holy place. That's the holy of holies behind the curtain in front of the atonement cover of the ark or else he'll die. He said, I will appear in the cloud over the atonement cover. This is how Aaron is to enter the most holy place. He must first bring a young bull for a sin offering. There had to be blood. Do you see that? There had to be blood. So Aaron had to shed the blood of the animal. That blood dealt with the sin in his life. And then he would take a bowl of that blood into the Holy of Holies and he would sprinkle the blood over the mercy seat area. And it was the blood that brought him in. It's interesting because of the pattern here in the tabernacle. In the outer court area is where the animals were offered. So you see that's a picture in type of Christ on the cross. Those animals, all, all the, the, the bulls and the goats and the lambs that were offered, the turtle doves, all of that, the animals that were offered, that blood that was shed was a picture in type of eventually the true lamb of God would come on the scene, okay? But again, you see the emphasis in the outer court was the blood and the water. But again, the emphasis here I want to make is on the blood. Then you went into the holy place, and not, I'm not going to dwell on all the other furniture, but in the holy place there was the table of showbread where there was wine and there was the unleavened bread, the fruit of the vine and the bread. It's a picture and type of the communion table. Again, the emphasis. What's the emphasis of the communion table? The body and the blood of the Lord. 
Then you go past that into the Holy of Holies, and that's where Aaron would sprinkle the blood. And so again, the blood. So it's like almost like a trail of blood that brought you in. Does this make sense? And I remember studying out David when he had to bring the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem. And at first he tried to do it like the Philistines, big mistake. But when he brought it on the shoulders of the priesthood, here's what he did. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, every six steps they would offer an offering unto God. So it was the blood that brought in the glory of the Lord into the house of God, into Jerusalem. So that's why at the beginning of River of Life services on Saturdays when we come together, I always have felt led of the Lord to take time that all of us as we come together, we have a moment as we take communion at the beginning of the service. That's why I do it at the beginning and not the end. Because I want us to take time to make sure we forgive people, we confess and repent of any sin, anything that we need to deal with, that we deal with it at the foot of the cross, we lay it down, and every one of us together, we're reverencing the blood of Jesus. And it's like as we take communion together, I just see it's like the sprinkling of the blood over our lives, over our families, over this place here. And because the blood of Jesus is honored and reverenced and we're coming through the blood, it gives us access into the glory. But you, that's why I believe a lot of places have a hard time getting into the glory is because of not taking time to reverence the blood, whether they take communion or not. If they would take time to get washed and covered in the blood of Jesus and come through the blood, they're going to have access. So the next thing after the blood of Jesus is reverenced is the incense. This is interesting. So under the law of Moses, whenever Israel came into, you know, the uh, building of the tabernacle and all that, the priest who was set in motion, there had to be right up against that veil of the Holy of Holies, there was this golden altar that had a bowl. And that golden altar there was called the altar of incense. And so every evening and every morning, which I'm going to get into in just a moment, there was incense that was offered up before the Lord. But as I studied out the incense, there were four parts to the incense. I don't remember all of them off the top of my head. Frankincense and unctuous galbanum and something else, I think. But there were four parts. And the four parts were mixed together in equal portions. That was interesting. So there wasn't more of one than the other. But what those four parts that make up the incense are this. Praise, worship, prayer, and intercession. So think about that for a moment. They were out here in the outer court where the, the blood of the animals was shed. And parts of that animal was placed on that bronze altar. And it was consumed with the fire. They had to take some hot coals from there. And they brought them in with the incense and they had to put them in that golden altar and they had to take that incense and sprinkle it on those hot coals. There was no wind in there and so the incense would just go straight up like this. And that's a picture and type of our heartfelt praise and worship, prayer and intercession that it ascends up before the Lord as a beautiful incense unto Him. But here's where I'm going with this. So remember, I'm talking about 
coming into the presence of God. So we're dealing more with the Holy of Holies here tonight. So first, Aaron had to deal with the blood and come in and sprinkle the blood. So the blood is what brought him in. But look at Leviticus 16, 12. Then it says he is to take a censer full of burning coals from the altar before the Lord and two handfuls of finely ground fragrant incense and take them behind the curtain. That's the Holy of Holies. He's to put the incense on the fire before the Lord and the smoke of the incense will conceal the atonement cover above the tablets, the law, so he will not die. So Aaron had to take number one blood, but then he had to bring the incense into the Holy of Holies and set that censer down and it would fill the Holy of Holies with that incense. So just like tonight, this is a pattern I believe is in the word of God. And you see it all through scripture. We come together, we take some time to examine ourselves and get washed and covered in the blood of Jesus. And then as we approach, we come through the blood. But what do we do? Praise, worship, prayer, intercession goes up before the Lord. And it's just like a beautiful incense going right up before his throne. And what happens is, is because of the blood and the incense, we're able to come into the presence of the Lord, the glory. Is this making sense tonight? I believe it's a pattern. I believe it's an eternal pattern because we have to approach through the blood. How many knows the Bible says that our righteousness is as filthy rags? We, we can't just come in our own righteousness, our own works. We have to come through the blood. So in this coming year, I want people to think about this, abiding in the vine. But how do you abide? I'm giving you a pattern of how to get into the glory of the Lord. If we collectively will really reverence the blood of Jesus, you can do this at home. This is a big theme to me. I make a big deal about this because I want to kind of push this out into people's homes. But you can have prayer you can have worship, and you can have powerful encounters with God at home. You do not have to come to church to experience the Lord. And you, being a priesthood, you can take communion at home. You can anoint yourself, anoint your home, set it apart. It can be a place that's very powerful, a place where God really meets with you, but you have to take that serious. Now, that's something that's very, very special to my wife and I that our home is a place that's pleasing to the Lord. It's a big deal to us. Um, anyway, so another thing I want to talk about is the tabernacle. So if you were to look at the tabernacle of Moses and you were to look at the outer court area, I want you to think about this in 2020. Number one, I'm talking about abiding, but number two, I'm talking about going deeper in God this year. How many want to go deeper? You, you want to say, you know, in 2020, I'm closer to the Lord. There's, there's things in my life going on now that just weren't there in 2019. I mean, I'm going deeper in Christ. I want that. So I want you to think about this for a moment. The outer court was lit by natural sunlight. So think about this, the natural, not the supernatural. This is not spiritual. This is just natural. And in the outer court area, 
is basically a picture and type of like a salvation experience just like blood and water came out of Christ's side the outer court had the blood of the animals that were offered it had the laver of water where the priest would wash their hands and feet it had to do with the blood and the water and it basically is like a very baby Christian level it's still lit this is important it's still lit by natural light and so this is also the largest area in the tabernacle there's a lot of people so to speak I'm speaking symbolically now but this is where a lot of people dwell they never go deeper in Christ they just simply accept him they're born again and it's just a very basic thing that they never push in to go deeper and so the next level once you get past that outer court the next level is called the holy place you go past a first veil so it is a first veil because you have to go inside the tent but once you get in that area the holy place that's where the menorah is lit the altar of incense and the table of showbread this is when you start to go deeper in christ see those that were able to go into the holy place had to be just the sons of Aaron but they were the ones that would wear that blue tunic that had the bells and pomegranates at the bottom and so when they went into the holy place those bells were chiming you know what that speaks of? that speaks of tongues the baptism in the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues it speaks of the gifts of the Spirit the bells speak of the gifts the fruit or the pomegranate speaks of the fruit but as you go into the holy place it's no longer lit by natural light you've now you've gotten the baptism in the Holy Ghost there's a clothing of power you've moved into a deeper dimension now now it's lit by the menorah that seven branch lampstand is lit and that speaks of the Word of God and it speaks of the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit the sevenfold manifestation of the holy spirit he is the spirit of the lord wisdom revelation counsel might knowledge and the fear of the lord when he comes in his fullness he comes in that sevenfold manifestation but the holy spirit lights this area so you're no longer looking at things from a natural humanistic carnal worldly perspective now you're beginning to get divine revelation where God shows you things that you should not know in the natural. You see tactics of the enemy that you never saw before. God shows you how to pray about things. You get revelation out of the word that you've never seen before. This is the realm where the gifts of the Holy Spirit are in operation. Revelation gifts, discerning of spirits, words of knowledge. But this realm here has to do with the power. This is the baptism in the Holy Ghost, tongues, power. But once you leave that outer court and you start going deeper, the outer court is big, but the holy place is quite a bit smaller. Are you following me? There's a lot of people in the outer court, but there's a lot less people that are in the anointing and the power of God in the gifts in operation so this for a lack of better way of saying it 
the outer court to me is symbolic of groups of people whether it's denominations or whatever but groups of people that have never gotten beyond just a salvation experience that's it they've accepted christ as their savior but you never see the sick healed you never see anybody delivered from a demon you never see the power of god you never see the gifts in operation you never hear tongues it's just kind of dead religion so to speak but, i mean they've accepted the lord but it's it's just on that realm of a baby christian milk not meat but once you get baptized in the holy ghost and with fire your clove of power there's an anointing the gifts are now in operation you begin to move into that holy place you begin to see things you never saw before in the holy place the outer court smelt like can you imagine what the outer court smelt like but when you get into the holy place what it smelled like the incense that was burned every day in fact the the priest would go in i'm gonna get to this in a moment i'm getting ahead of myself but he would burn that incense when he would come out he would smell like it you see what i'm saying and it was a place for that table of showbread where there was communion i believe that table of showbread not only speaks of the communion table but think about it in the hebrew it's called lechem panim which means like face to face it means the bread of presence is how it's translated in english but literally it's the bread of faces plural it's like a face-to-face -face. if you were to sit down at the table and commune with the lord you see so it's getting beyond just a salvation experience now you're beginning to move into realms of power and revelation like you've never had before and you start seeing things you never saw revelation but also book of acts christianity you're starting to see sick people healed you're starting to see the power of god demonstrations of the power so this is like the holy place area but the amazing thing is there's still a deeper realm yet and that's the holy of holies And just like the outer court, there's a lot of people there. There's less people in the holy place. There's even less in the holy of holies. The holy of holies is a glory realm. This isn't just being baptized in the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues, being anointed. See, the anointing, this has to do with power, the dunamis in the Greek. But when you get past that second veil and you get into the Holy of Holies, you're dealing with the manifest presence, the glory, the thick glory of the Lord. And this is a glory people. So the best way that I can explain this, the way that I feel like God has shown me, is the outer court, as I said earlier, is groups of people that only are at a salvation experience alone when you come into the holy place that's like the baptism in the holy ghost the gifts are in operation the power of god revelation comes but when you get beyond even that now in the holy of holies you're dealing with a glory people you're dealing with revival people that have had an encounter with the glory of the lord And I remember in my personal walk with the Lord, 
you know, I came to know the Lord in January 95. And I'm very thankful for my parents. I grew up um, in a Christian home, but I never really knew the Lord. That It was just a religious thing, really. And I had gotten into sin, some pretty dark stuff. But my parents prayed for me. They really knew the Lord. And in January 95, I really gave my life to the Lord. And I knew that I had to get away from all the junk of the past. I had to get away from those type of people. I knew if I wanted to really know the Lord and live for the Lord, it was going to be a life-altering thing. I geographically moved from where I was, and I disconnected from every single thing that I knew there. And I had to start a completely new life in Christ with new people. And I started going to a church, and I made Christian friends, and I started over. But when I first gave my life to the Lord, I was around a group of people that I would describe them as outer court people, wonderful people. I love them. As a matter of fact, we had some really, really powerful witnessing times that we would go out. This was that, my wife will know what I'm talking about. This was that metro group, like that lady that, it was interesting where, where uh, the boys are going to school. There's a lady that knew me back then. So that's kind of cool. But anyway, we were talking about those old times, but we used to go out witnessing. We had some powerful witnessing times. But this group of people, we're just in that realm of salvation. They never went deeper. And I thank God so much for a heritage because, you know, just today, it, it's really interesting because my, my great uncle passed and I went to the funeral and I saw all these people that I'm related to on that side of the family and we went to church with that, that have such deep roots in Pentecost, deep roots in uh, just the power of God. I mean, there were several people in the ministry that were there. And so, as I was around, just reminiscing about that, but anyway, even though I was around the outer court and I was, that was the realm I was at in 95, I knew there was a call in my life, so I went to the Bible school at, at Southwestern in Waxahachie, which obviously is a Pentecostal a school. And so, when I was there, I didn't know anything about the revivals that were really going on. I didn't know that the Argentine revival was going on where literally, I mean, hundreds of thousands of people getting saved. It was a major move of God. I didn't even know about it here in the States, you know. But one of the leaders, the Argentine revival, Claudio Freitzen, came and he was ministering in uh, South Dallas area. I think if I remember right, because this was like 96, um, I think it was Oak Cliff Assembly. But anyway, I went there because some people told me you need to go. And this was where I started moving past the outer court into the holy place. <laughs> and I remember that the power of God was awesome. You could just feel it in the atmosphere. People were dancing. People were really free in their worship. And um, these people knew how to have church, you know. And at the end there, I went down, and I remember getting prayer from Claudio. And it was just a fresh baptism in the Holy Ghost and with fire. I mean, I was hit by the power of God. Uh, tongues began to flow it was awesome but that was where I began to really move from the outer court into the holy place and God began to move in my life I thank God because some friends of mine had went to Brownsville and they started telling me about the revival but anyway here I was now more in the holy place the gifts are in operation I'm starting to have encounters with God things are happening I'm going deeper I just moved from the outer court. I began to go deeper. I was more hungry. 
and God was speaking to me. It was awesome. I began to get revelation. I began to see things out of the word I never had. But yet there was more to come. And I remember when I was told you need to go to Brownsville, I went. This would have been 96. And when I went to Brownsville, I went with, actually my mom and I went. And we were there and the Holy Spirit was moving so powerfully in that place. I had never really seen that type of a hunger and there was lines of people to get in i saw people running down to the altar to get saved i was just weeping it was such a powerful experience it, it was literally like a holy of holies experience and i remember going down to get prayer because the pastor that i was under told me well if you go make sure you get prayer you know so i went down and i got prayer and just some random guy prayed for me but i was thrown back and it was as though i was baptized in fire and there was just something, the glory of the Lord was what it was. I couldn't get off the floor. It was that weighty glory, that thick glory. And this was where I was beginning to be introduced to the glory of the Lord because I'd never been around that. You know, I'd been around power, but I hadn't been around the glory. And I believe the revivals of the 90s helped bring the glory back into the church here in America. And after that, God just began to take me kind of on a personal odyssey, and I had a lot of divine appointments, not the least of which was shortly after that, I was in Ennis, Texas at a church, Church of God church for a revival there. And a man named Floyd Lahan was there ministering, very anointed man of God, and called me out and prayed over me. But when he prayed for me, I remember this was, this was different. I'm trying to make this point here. When he prayed for me, it was usually you'd feel power, but in this case, it was not only that, but it was as though you're kind of pinned. It's not a scary thing. You just can't get up. It's a weighty, thick presence of the Lord, a glory. And so in the holy place, this is where there's power, explosive power. But when you get into the glory realm, the holy of holies, that's where that weighty glory comes. And it's a thick presence of God. And there's a lot of healing that happens in that glory. There's a lot of thing, a lot of revelation that comes. But the glory is a deep realm. And that's what some of you have experienced here. Because I've had people tell me, you know, it feels like a weightiness. I can't, I couldn't move. You know, I got pinned. I, and it's an awesome thing. And it's a wonderful thing. But it's the glory of the Lord that comes in, see. And so this year, I just encourage people to go deeper in Christ. To abide in him don't get content where you're at and just camp out there that's what so many people do and they never go deeper I want to go deeper in him this year than I've ever been I want to be more hungry this year than I've ever been and the last couple things I want to talk about is the evening and the morning sacrifice you remember reading in the New Testament where it says around the ninth or around the time of prayer which would be 9 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, but around the time of the morning prayer time or the evening prayer, what they were referring to was that every evening and every morning, the priest had this ritual that they had to do under the law of Moses. Every evening at 3 o'clock and every morning at 9 o'clock, the high priest would have to kill a lamb. So there was two lambs a day that were killed every day. So they would kill a lamb 
and his blood would be poured out. The blood would be sprinkled on the bronze altar. He would be placed on the altar as a burnt offering. And the priest also had to take some unleavened bread like we had tonight, the matzah, some unleavened bread, and he would put that on the bronze altar as well, and he would have the fruit of the vine and pour it out before the Lord as a libation. And it was a picture and type in every possible way of the communion table. I mean, think about the lamb. It, it was a picture and type of the unleavened bread and the fruit of the vine. Every evening and every morning, this priest would do this. And so what we have the fullness now, the reality on the other side of the cross is we have the communion table. But anyway, after he did this, he then would go into the holy, of, holy place every day, twice a day, he would go into the holy place. And you know, the, the bread was there on the, the table of showbread, the fruit of the vine, he could partake of that. But he had to tr trim up the menorah, make sure that the wick is is lit you know make sure the oil was in there if there was an old wick he had to replace it he had to make sure all seven branches were lit then he would go up to the altar of incense and he would burn incense and that's what was going on by the way when you read about when the angel appeared to Zechariah and told him that your wife is going to give birth to John the Baptist this is what he was doing he was a priest and he was offering up the incense before the Lord in the evening and morning sacrifice so anyway they would go up to this altar and they would sprinkle the incense it would burn and go up before the lord and it would fill that place with that beautiful fragrance and they would stand there and they would pray because the priest had that breastplate that represented the 12 tribes of israel they had the the people of god on their heart and they would pray and it was believed during this time frame, this was before Jesus came, okay? It was believed that if the people of God, wherever they were around the time of the evening morning sacrifice, if they would turn and face the temple area and they would really begin to pray along with that priest, that their prayers all together will get intermingled in that incense and go up before the Lord. Isn't that a beautiful thing? So... That happened every evening, every morning. Now, I believe personally, now that we're on the other side of the cross, that there's something that we can learn from this. Number one is, there's something very powerful about praying every evening before you go to bed. There's something powerful about that. How many knows before you go to sleep, it's a good idea to get under the blood of Jesus and to pray because you're going to go to sleep and that doesn't mean that the warfare going on out there is going to sleep you see so it's a really good idea my wife and i always pray we you know many times we'll take communion together but we come under the blood we pray i always anoint her with oil she blesses me i bless her we pray together and because that the glory of the lord is really strong in the bedroom where we're at and then in the morning same thing the priest would kill the lamb. You had the unleavened bread, the, the fruit of the vine libation. Go in, burn the incense. Same thing, that you begin that day in prayer. There's something about the evening and the morning sacrifice that's very powerful. And you saw that with the early church. Now when you read the scriptures and you say, around the time of the evening sacrifice, the angel of the Lord did such and such. Or 
they went over here around the time of the morning prayer. This is what they're referring to. But there's something about that in the evening and the morning that you begin your night's rest with prayer and you begin your day's activities with prayer. It's powerful. And come under the blood of the lamb fresh, okay? But what I want to say about that is, is if you do that consistently, if you'll consistently have a prayer life every day in your home and you'll keep your home clear from all the junk of, that doesn't need to be in it, then there can be like an open heaven over your home and the glory of the Lord can be there. And it's like your praise and worship, prayer and intercession go right up to the Lord. And I believe that there's something about that it's consistent, persistent prayer that creates an open heaven over our lives. And we've experienced that here in River of Life because when we first started praying, the devil really resisted it. And it seemed to be oppressed. And we would have good prayer meetings and difficult ones and we were wrestling and we had to get breakthrough here or there. But over time, as we consistently kept doing it, it was like a layer would clear away and we would go deeper. And it was like the heavens were more open. The presence of God was thicker. It was easier to pray. But this has to do with consistency. I believe in James it says this, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. How many remember that scripture? All right. If you look at it in the Amplified Classic, it says this. Um, it says that if the... It talks about the consistent, persistent prayers of the righteous. So it's this consistency and this persistence. It says that it makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. So there is something about that, that you'll keep the heavens open. And Jesus, uh, I don't have time to rabbit trail on this too much because if I get off on this, I'll have to explain it all. But Jesus told Nathaniel, you believe me because I saw you under a tree. He said, you're going to see the heavens open and angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. That's what Jesus said to Nathaniel. There's something about an open heaven, angels ascending and descending, and the glory of God in a location. That's very powerful. All right. And then the last thing I want to share is this, and then we'll close it out. It's the inward journey. Revelation 1.10. It says, On the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit. So John, this was the Apostle John, okay? He was um, on the Isle of Patmos in Greece. It was a prison colony. He was put there because of his faith in Jesus Christ. And while he was there, it was obviously the Sabbath, which would have been Friday night to Saturday night. He said, On the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit. And I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which would have been a shofar. So John said this, I was in the spirit. What does it mean to be in the spirit? I'm talking about going deeper this year. How many want to go deeper this year? Well, being in the spirit is not being in the flesh. So here's what we got to do, and I'm going to close with this. I don't have as much time to dwell on this as I'd like to, but for us to go deeper in Christ, we are the living, breathing tabernacle of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is in your spirit, the deep place within you. We've got to learn daily 
to die to the flesh, to bring our flesh under. Paul said, I die daily. So I believe the best way to die daily is to get into prayer and spend time with the Lord. You bring your flesh under. You're dying to that flesh. Once you die to that flesh, you don't want to just get in the realm of your human soul alone because the Bible says the heart is deceitful and wicked who can know it. Our human intellect will never truly understand God. I love everybody here, and I'm not shooting this, but none of us are smart enough to figure out God. Would you all agree with that? Okay. So we're never really going to understand God with our human intellect. Our human emotions are influenced by so many other things. We've got to learn to get beyond just our own humanity, beyond our own soul area, where we're trying to intellectually figure things out or we think to ourselves, well, this is how I feel about it. Well, just because I feel about it a certain way doesn't mean that it's so. I may not like something, but that doesn't mean God doesn't like it. You hear what I'm saying? See, our humanity can get in the way. We can make mistakes. We can misjudge things. We can make bad mistakes. People, you know, marry wrong people. People hang around wrong people. People let influences in their lives out of their own human trying to figure it out. But whenever you get past your own soul and you get into the spirit, okay, this is the holy of holies where your human spirit is communing with the Holy Spirit. This is a realm where you're getting revelation from the Holy Spirit. That he's telling you things. Is this making sense tonight? You're getting past your flesh and you're even getting past your own self now. Your own human trying to figure it out. Now you're getting into a realm where John said, on the Lord's day, I was in the spirit. See, John was in the spirit and in the spirit is where he got the book of Revelation. Which didn't make sense. Read the book of Revelation. I would love for somebody that is not saved and doesn't have a clue to read the book of Revelation and try to explain that thing to me. It's hard for Christians to understand that. But see, you, you have to get in the spirit. John got that by revelation knowledge. It was not out of his own human intellect. It wasn't out of his human emotions. It was something deeper than that, where it was, it was the Holy Spirit giving it to him spiritually in his spirit. See, when you pray in tongues, the Bible says your mind is unfruitful. It's your spirit that's praying through you. You see, there's something about our inner spirit man communing with the Holy Spirit. It's deep calling unto deep. That's where revelation comes is in the spirit. So this year, I don't want to be an outer court person. And I don't want to just dwell in the holy place. I want to get in the holy of holies this year. I want it to be a realm of the glory I haven't been. I want to have fellowship with the Holy Spirit on a level I haven't known. I want God to be able to show me things I haven't seen before. You know, when you look at Aaron's garments, the white garments that were the first garments on, that was the outer court area. That blue tunic that had to be on them to go into the holy place. 
But on top of that is the gold ephod that represents the glory. It's the same thing. You see the outer court, the holy place, and the glory realm. Which I know for theologians, I know that they only wore white on the Day of Atonement. I know that. But there's a pattern here of the outer court, the holy place, and the glory realm, that deep glory. This is the last thing I want to say is everything that we do, we must do with faith or it's not going to have any power. If we're not careful, Jesus said this in Matthew 6, verse 7, but when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think that they'll be heard by much speaking. See, there's vain repetitions. Is everybody following me? I'm closing with this, but I want you to really get this. Vain repetitions. Where we're not using our faith. Listen, one of the main areas where vain repetitions happen is us praying over food before we eat. Let's just be real about it. People are just hungry and want to eat. So they just, <laughs> they just say some real quick token prayer that they don't even mean lord bless this food we thank you amen let's eat you know there's no power in it man if if you really needed that prayer to work you're in trouble if that thing if you really you really needed that food to be cleansed maybe there was some food maybe there there was some e coli in there right but you know if you we got to pray with faith everything that we do this is what i always tell my wife when we're doing things Let's stop for a moment and let's focus on what we're doing. How many times have I said that? You know, she'll laugh. Let's stop for a moment. Let's focus on what we're doing. If we're taking communion, let's stop and let's really focus and let's use our faith. If we're anointing with oil, whatever we're doing, let's focus for a moment and let's use our faith. When you get faith out and you're just doing a dead religious ritual, there's not going to be any power to it at all, and you're probably not going to see any fruit. Is this making sense? So let me just encourage you to stop for a moment. Whatever you're doing, and really focus on the Lord, focus on what you're doing, and release your faith in it. Then it's powerful. So how many want to go deeper this year? Let's, you can play that iPod, just bring it way down. Let's close with prayer. She can shut down recordings back there, but let's close out with prayer. Lord, I thank you for this time in the word. Lord, we want to go deeper this year. We certainly don't want to be an outer court people. That's just seeing things by natural sunlight. Only see things in the natural. Can't get past that human natural intellect. We want to go deeper than that. We want to get into realms of revelation knowledge where God shows us things. And so, Lord, I pray over this next coming year that we're going to get past the outer court, we're going to get past the holy place, and Lord, we're going to be down into the holy of holies, the deep place of the glory of God, where deep calls into deep, where there's revelation and power and glory. Listen, we want to pray for people tonight. If you want to go deeper this year, we're going to anoint people and pray for you and ask God just to take you deeper this year. And this will be a year where you go 